The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Since many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as those who were eyewitnesses from the beginning and ministers of the word have handed them down to us, I too have decided, after investigating everything accurately anew, to write it down in an orderly sequence for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may realize the certainty of the teachings you have received. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news of him spread throughout the whole region. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, and went according to his custom into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. He said to them, Today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. It's good to have a fairly full church. It's amazing. I think it's the mass times, though. It's like the mass times and cold and COVID and like all those kinds of things. It's just been interesting watching things adjust. Um, but I want to welcome all of you who, uh, anybody who's a visitor today. And um, it's just really good to have you. So in today's gospel, uh, we're beginning to read from the gospel according to Luke. And, and so Luke opens his gospel with this kind of personal note to Theophilus. And, and in Acts, Acts of the Apostles opens the same way. And, um, and he says, I too have decided after investigating everything accurately and new to write it down in an orderly sequence for you. That, that St. Luke, we know, did a kind of investigation. He wasn't a direct follower of Jesus, but he came to know St. Paul and then he went and he found all these people and kind of did his research and, and then he compiled his gospel narrative. And, and most famously, he had firsthand knowledge or, or firsthand interviews with the Blessed Mother. And that's why there's so much detail about Jesus' infancy in the gospel according to Luke. And he opens the gospel with, with Jesus going into the synagogue and, and reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And, and he reads that passage, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. 
He sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free. And then he sits down and he says, today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Today. It's just an amazing thing. And, and to think about those people that were in the synagogue with him and, and the power of that and, and how that impacted them. And, and it's interesting how when our Lord reveals the truth about who he is, it, it seems to result in a lot of division. Because there are certain people who receive that and they recognize his authority and they become his followers. And there are certain people who receive that and, and they have their own skepticism. Yeah, but this is, he grew up here. I know who he is. We know his mother. We know Joseph. We know his brothers or his cousins. We, we know his family. Who is he to say that the spirit of the Lord is upon me? And then there are others who, who recognize his authority but are threatened by it because it threatens their own authority. And so the scribes and the Pharisees, their, their response to him is, is that he's an enemy who has come to take something from them. And those responses to our Lord, they're, they're not unlike the same responses to our Lord today. We have, we have those same responses. You know, certain people hear the gospel preached and immediately they have these like amazing conversions. And, and there are people, you know, and they have these stories like, like, I just walked into a Catholic church and I saw there was adoration and I was like, that's Jesus. And then my life was totally different. And I'm always sort of like, I wish my life was like that. It's a lot easier than my life, you know. And then there are other people and they hear the gospel proclaimed and they're just like, yeah, but I don't know. Uh, there's lots of other, you know, ways to live your life. And, and, and then there's, there's really that response that I think is common but not spoken about a lot, which is that the truth that our Lord speaks into our heart, it, it, it can be received as a threat. Like, like he's come to take something from me. Or I'm going to have to give something up I'm going to lose something if I follow him. Now, I've been quoting a lot lately, um, just remembering when Pope Benedict became the Pope and, and one of his first addresses, he was addressing youth and he said, he said, don't be afraid of giving up who you are for the sake of becoming who our Lord desires you to be. Right? Don't be afraid of giving up who you are for the sake of becoming who our Lord desires you to be. And, and that's really the, the battlefield of the heart. And that's, that's where we all find ourselves is, is in that tension of, of our Lord is calling us to something more. And sometimes that means that we have to give up something we're comfortable with or, you know, we're just used to things being the way they are. And there's a newness to the gospel. There's a newness to Jesus when he comes into our life in a real and profound way. And that kind of division that, that exists when oh, the gospel is a threat, you know, it's, it's also not unlike the division that's always existed in the church and that St. Paul talks about in his letter to the Corinthians. And 
St. Paul has this beautiful reflection on, you know, there are many parts but one body. And, uh, and whenever I'd heard this before, I, I would just think about, yeah, like there's the different people, they have different gifts, etc. But there's, there's something he says that I think is really pertinent. He says, now the body is not a single part but many. If a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it does not for that reason belong any less to the body. Or if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. And it's, it's kind of an interesting way of saying things. And it really is like he's using an analogy for something that probably is very practically going on in the church in Corinth. And something that practically is probably going on in the church in Corinth. You know, because the church in Corinth had people from all different places. You know, Corinth was like a trade city. And so there would be probably Jews and there would be Gentiles and there would be people from one culture and another culture and they're all mixing. And, and probably there was this thing going on in the Christian community where people would enter in and they'd be like, well, you're not a, you're, you're not a Jew and so you don't, you're not really part of the community. Or you're not from our place, so you don't really understand what we're all about here. And he's saying, no, like there, there are many parts, but one body. And it also, it, it goes to our gifting, you know, and, and how like we all have different gifts. And sometimes we can be threatened because somebody's gifts are different than our gifts. We can be threatened because some people's gifts are different than our gifts. And I think about examples of just even with, with my brother priest and we talk about different pastoral problems or, or approaches to things and, and um, approaches to evangelization. And, and, uh, and I'm always, I'm like, I just have a, like a heart for evangelization. So I'm always, I love talking to different people with different ideas and, and bringing up different ideas. And, and I, I might bring up like some evangelization program that I found. And uh, like, hey, have you ever seen this program? This program's really great. And, and somebody's immediate response to me is, is like, well, what's wrong with what we do? Are you saying what we do is wrong? Are you saying we're doing it wrong? Like, no, it's, it's just like a different thing. We don't have to have a filter that always says something different means we're wrong. But, but sometimes that filter exists. You know, I have some, like some of my brother priests, like they love spreadsheets. Like, they just love to sit in front of spreadsheets all day long. And I'm just like, oh, shoot me in the face. Like, thank God that's not my gifting. Um, but that's, like, their gift, and that's what they like to do. And then, and then like, I have my own gifts, and they have their gifts. And, and if, if, we, if we allow them all to work together, something really beautiful can happen. Right? Something really beautiful can happen. And, and it's something that I, I think about a lot since I became pastor here because, you know, like... Like, we have, like, this amazing community where it's really a small parish, and, and St. Leo's and St. Martin's are both small parishes, but there's, like, several communities within those small parishes, and I remember going, there was, like, the confirmation meeting, or it might have been coffee and rolls, or even, like, when we had the consecration of St. Joseph, and there's sort of, like, like, the Woodland Hills people at their table, and the St. Martin's people at their table, and the farmer table, and like the people live in town table and, and they're like, everybody sits with their own community. And, uh, and I remember being at that consecration of St. Joseph 
group and we had people from every every part of you know both parishes and uh, at the end of the meeting i was like do you guys know each other and then people were like uh no we've never met before and i was just like wow that's really interesting and and so so it's been a joy for me like as i've watched um just friendships evolve like between people you know that haven't been friends before but maybe they go both go to daily mass or people where they're in the altar society together or like last night we had that pitch party which was really like pitch speed dating and uh because you were constantly changing partners and and people had to mix with different people you know and we had some people who they like they it was the first time they ever came to our parish and they'd never played pitch and they're amazing and they're here today but i won't point them out but it, but it was just like an amazing thing to, to like see the beauty in that, right? There's a beauty in that. And, and it's a beauty that our Lord desires. And it's a real way that that part of the gospel is real. You know, like that part of the gospel is real and it's real here. And, and the more that we can see that and the more we lean into that, the more we see the truth that our Lord came to proclaim. And because every church, like every parish should be a place. And, and it's another one of my soapboxes that I get on. Like, like the Catholic church should be a place where anybody can walk through the doors and find that they're at home. Right? Anybody can walk in and find that they're at home. And especially people that, are, <laughs> that find themselves enslaved to something, especially people who are blind to the world, especially people, like, especially people who struggle with sin. And, and to be able to come and, and find a home and, and to allow our Lord to do what our Lord came to do, which is to set captives free and to restore sight to the blind. And, and, and so often that, that spirit of division enters in and, and, and we don't have eyes to see that like our Lord came to bring unity. And, and there's a beauty in every single person's background, in every single person's story. And when we allow all of that to come to the forefront, and we, we truly see the work of our Lord and what he's doing. And, and it's exciting to see the work of our Lord and what he's doing. And so today, let us pray that that we continue to be, to be open to the, the novelty that our Lord is calling us to and, and the newness of what he wants to do in our own hearts, just in our own relationship with him. But also that, that we can see the ways in which, you know, every aspect of the gospel is alive and, and, and pray that it continues to be alive here and, and that our Lord continues to to breathe life into, into our families and into our parish, into our community. That we really may be a sign of unity in, in, a, in a world that's so divided and a sign of God's grace, his love, his mercy, his transformation to each person who walks through our doors.